All right, here we go, guys, with another episode. It's been a while. I've been, uh, well, actually, both of us, we've been traveling a lot. We tried to pick up a couple of uh, episodes in between, but it was just too difficult logistically. But here we are in Zagreb, Croatia, for uh, the um, last European leg of the Grand Chess Tour. Abi, how's, uh, how's it going, man? Yeah, it's going well. Oh, it's going all right. Not much has really happened. I played a tournament and then flew right over here. And uh, yeah, another another important event, another leg of the Grand Chess Tour, this time with Magnus. Well, Magnus did play the one in Poland as well, and he won that one. But for me, it's my second event. Some guys are playing their third event here. Magnus isn't a full tour participant, so he's just here to uh, to enjoy some rapid blitz, I guess. He's getting the wild cards. Yes. For a good reason. He's getting the wild cards. That's in that's actually quite interesting because he did really well in the first one. He won it. So he took a lot of uh GCT points away from the competition, from the full uh tour participants. That was good for you because you weren't playing in that one. So, yeah, I wasn't unhappy to see that. I was actually hoping that him and Levon would take one too, which was at some point a possibility. Uh because Levon was also the wild card. He's uh Levon is is getting a lot of like last-minute replacement spots because Ding Liren hasn't played anything since his Bucharest, uh, right after the match, the Bucharest tournament. He hasn't played any events. He's played, I think, two games online. And then he withdrew from that one too. And I want to say he was a full tour participant. He right? was. Yeah, well, he is. Is he still a full tour participant? That I is mean, a good question. I mean, he's a full tour participant who's not playing all the events. But that's, that, that's very strange. It's unclear how many events he plays. Will he play the Singfield Cup? I mean, if not, if he plays that, at least he's he's playing most events. Uh, if, if not, then he has he's basically played one, and he will basically, I mean, he'll get like two two tour points. He won't have any chance at anything. We're speculating right now, but I feel that he's out of the tour um, just because. First of all, he hasn't played enough rapid events. You're supposed to play at least two out of three rapid events and all the classical events. He played Romania, so classical is fine. But with rapid events, he already missed one. That's a lot in terms of uh, points. It's the same amount of points, rapid and classical. Is it? They're given the same weight. Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's huge. So not playing one of them already, that's definitely going to handicap him. Well, he also uh, got chances. Like second to last place in the other one. So he's probably more or less out in terms of Finishing no, he, in the not, top three not, or not something more or less. like that. He's, he's out. There's, there's no... I mean, he, he would... Yeah, he's out. There's, yeah. there's no chance. It's over. So now we're speculating that he might actually be replaced. The question is by who? And I think he also mentioned in one of his uh, interviews that he's not planning on playing any classical chess anytime soon, but that he had some sort of a, a discussion or an offer uh, from Argentina to organize a match rapid and blitz chess between him and Magnus at the end of the year. So that should be interesting. But based on his affirmations, uh, it doesn't seem like he's planning on playing a lot of chess this year. Affirmations. Affirmations. That, that's probably not the right word. <laughs> it's a nice word. <laughs> it, it's a beautiful I, word. Like if he's not planning on playing anything and then is trying to play some rapid match against Magnus, I don't recommend he does that. <laughs> Unless it's like like he gets paid a few million dollars or something, then sure, let cash out. But uh, otherwise, I really wrote, don't recommend that he he does that because it, it is unlikely to go very well for him. Uh, he's a prize fighter. He's a prize chess fighter. He only goes for like the million dollar events. I mean, why not? 
you go out there, you, you, you get paid, you make some cash. Um, why not? He's the world champion right now, so he might as well try to cash in as much as possible. I guess so. So Ding Li Ren, um, we don't know exactly what's happening with him, but speaking of Chinese players, um, let's, let's stay on that tangent because I have a feeling there is a big boom going on in China in terms of interest in chess. I, I've played recently, uh, I just got back from Tenerife at uh, the first edition of Orias de Mar, new competition, new international open, and it was filled, packed with Chinese players. A uh, huge delegation. I think they had 10 10 players, and all of them really, really good and really underrated. I had the uh, misfortune of playing one of them, 2300. We remember the last time Hans played uh, a 2300 Chinese player. He uh, he got steamrolled in, in one of the competitions he played in. I don't remember Baku. exactly. Baku, I think, yeah. Uh, either Baku or Sharjah. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, they're really good. Uh, this was the point I was trying to make, and they're really underrated. I played at 2300. Um, I checked his results be, while I was getting ready for, for the game. The, the guy was so good. Definitely not 2300. He played championship, uh, Chinese championship, rating performance somewhere around 25, 2550. And against Chinese players, that's really, really good. Not losing a lot, even in this tournament. I drew him. Um, and after that, he won four in a row and actually tied for first. So he won like 70 rating points. They're underrated and they're coming. This guy was like 15 years of age, probably 25, 25, 50 at least strength, at least from what I felt from, from him. So if he plays, he could be, you know, the next next generation of, of, of strong players. Sure. Yeah. I, China, China has the numbers. Oh, yeah. China and India, if we just assume that each country will have an equal amount of strong players per population, yeah, those countries will, will definitely take over at some point. Well, India is already starting to, I guess, take over. I mean, they have all these young kids that we've talked about many times who are definitely starting to become top players in China, could easily be in the same position in a few years. Although, of course, China has already been a top-tier chess nation for uh, for a very long time. They won the Olympiad in 2014. They won the Olympiad in 2018. Uh, I think those were the only two times that I can recall, but maybe there was some other. I, I'm talking about the Open Olympiad. Uh, their women's team has also won uh, the women's women's Olympiad uh, more than once. Yes, sure. yes. I think they also like maybe they both won in 2018. I might be might be wrong I, about that. But. I, I think you might be right. Uh, so, but needless to say, I mean they have the world championship in the open section. They have the world cha- They will have the world championship in in the women's section, which is starting. Yeah, in, yeah. like a the, week. The or next like that. women's world champion will be either Lei Tingzhi or. Um, Ju or Ju Wenjun, both two of the top players in the world, 25, 50, 60 players, some, somewhere around that range. Uh, so, so China will have uh, both world championships. Ding. The thing is, I, I do wonder like, what Ding's future in chess will be, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So you feel like he's not motivated enough? Or what's your worry about Ding Li Ren? Because, I, I'm, you know, we've been having conversations about this quite a lot and uh you mentioned that you don't see him you're you're worried about not necessarily his form but his um motivation to continue at the top i'm not i'm not worried <laughs> i'm definitely not worried <laughs> i mean it, like it's it's his business if he's motivated or not, or not but uh from his what i consider his peak 2019 
when 2018 to 19, uh, I think he he was extremely strong, and I think he's below his peak by a significant by a significant amount. That's mm. my feeling. Uh, I think other players are also in terms of quality of chess below their peak. I think one player who one of the few players who is stronger than a few years ago is Hikaru. I think that Hikaru has found uh, a resurgence of strength and he's pretty much the only one I can think of who I feel is stronger than in 2019, for example. Oh, I think Magnus is playing weaker and that might be a motivation thing. In classical or in classical Rapid and Blitz? Because I feel in, in Rapid classical. and Blitz he's I'm doing really well. I'm talking about classical because Rapid and Blitz, I, I feel like Magnus is yeah more or less uh, at his... Uh, like that, there, there, it's more difficult for things to go downhill because there you can rely a lot on intuition, and it will take decades for Magnus's intuition to get mm. to get to a point where he's not a top player. Uh, so, I'm talking purely classical chess, and I think also my level has decreased from my peak, uh, whether you want to call that 2018 or 2020, whatever. Uh, and I think the same for Wesley, in my opinion, uh, and. Um, maybe, maybe Jan Jan is a bit hard to say because he's a bit up and down but like based on his last event let's say okay classical chess he, he played rather poorly but that might have been a hangover from the world championship match it must be so so it's a bit hard to say with Jan uh, also because in let's say 2018 he was not like he wasn't exactly what we call top top player in the same way that let's say Wesley or uh, or Hikaru or I were. Um, Anish, I think, has maintained his level quite well, but I would not call him stronger than a few years ago. But he maintains his level very well because he, he works... He's working a lot. Very, very seriously. He really stays up to date on his chest and he doesn't lose motivation in a way some guys... Like, some of the guys, I feel like they, they lost motivation quite quite seriously. And Which that's... Ones? Actually, don't. <laughs> we, we probably shouldn't name name names, but yeah. No, I feel like, okay, I'm also putting myself in this category of players who at some point I lost motivation and my level dipped uh, quite quite a bit. So it happens. Uh, you know, you have peaks and, and, and valleys and motivation and this will lead to... I, I think that the reason why a lot of people lost motivation was okay because COVID in 2020 and yeah. the whole bizarre world situation that we went through was very unsettling for a lot of people, myself included, um, not just in chess, but of course if you're kind of unsettled in, in normal life that will leak into your chess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we'll see what, now that life has normalized, what that will bring to the chess world as well. I think we're in a very weird situation at the moment because of Magnus abdicating the title as, uh, is, of course, and a new world champion. And uh, the world champion doesn't seem to be especially motivated to play chess at the moment uh, and doesn't even seem to really like like chess very much <laughs> if you listen to what he says. He seems uh, to, to kind of be a bit sick of it. So I don't know. It's it's very strange. Uh, and that's a huge contrast to what Magnus used to um, display after winning World Championship match. He generally gets reinforced almost, it feels like, whenever he finishes with the cycle and gets to enjoy life, gets to enjoy just playing normal tournaments. At least that's how it felt in 2019. I think uh, he, he was the most fearsome after, uh, after winning the match against you. Yeah, I fully agree uh, that he really, 2019 was a great level yeah. for him. I mean, he's obviously been very strong every year, but 2019, he really, really had very dominant results. 
in a way that maybe 2017, 2015, some years he didn't have exactly dominant results, but 2019 he was, after the match, he was really winning a lot of events. Um, he won like Zagreb, yep. classical. Um, no, it, it really felt like he's getting to 2900 level. But I think that, after. like, okay, 2014 was probably his best year. That's when he reached 2890. And I remember, um, was he that high? He was 2885 at his peak. And 2014 was also my peak. I reached 2850 on the live list. Yeah. And I, I had a really great year. And still, it was like sometimes against Magnus, uh, I beat him twice in 2014. But I, sometimes I was struggling. Like, I remember once I had Zurich uh, 2014. That was more or less when he reached 2890. It was like he beat me in such a high level that I almost felt like, uh, like what did I do wrong? Like, <laughs> Um, sometimes I felt that against him. Like sometimes you, you basically don't make mistakes. My first time thinking that was 2012 in Bilbao. Yeah. I beat him the first game we played. It was a complete mess of a game, like, like real bullshit. I mean, but I, I ended up winning. And, and then the second game, uh, I played a French. He played the King's Indian attack. This was classical chess. Classical chess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Classical chess. And he needed to win that game because I was like winning. I was running away with the tournament and not for that. And, I made, I think, one mistake in that game, in the opening. And then after that, it was just like clean conversion over a course of more or less 70, 70 moves. Some games he really shows like a, a perfect level. And in 2014, that was at the start of 2014. Also, he was getting very serious competition from Levon. Levon mm -hmm. was also 28-30 around that time. Mm -hmm. And you had the single cup moment as well, 7-0. Uh, so it yeah, was kind yeah. of a back and forth between... You two guys, and maybe Levon as well. I wouldn't say back and forth, but we were definitely push, pushing really hard. Uh, now you have, of course, more players. Yeah. Um, because the chess world has sort of been democratized in the sense that the resources to improve very quickly. And now we see, for example, Gukesh, who is, I think, 17 years old. And he has basically top-level openings. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'd say at the start of the year, he did not. His mm -hmm. openings sucked at the start of the year. Mm -hmm. but, the steel, yeah. but if you have like a, a, an experienced coach, and I think he started working with Vichy's old coach, Gajewski, Yes. then someone to guide you a bit, the analytical tools are so, so effective that you can basically, in the course of like two months, build a top-level repertoire with the right guidance and some experience. And, um, and of course, if you are a strong player, because strong players can, like, you need a kind of top level understanding to fully, um, absorb the ideas. So Gukesh, I've seen already his openings in like Norway, Norway chess were, were really quite solid, quite good compared to like Vikenze, where he opening wise was really struggling. So he started working with Gajewski after, uh, after Vike. I talked to Gajewski a little bit during Norway and he was mentioning that they, 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 yeah, this is not uh, a surprise because they hit it off. Yeah, uh, yeah, the very strong work, very strong work ethic coming from uh, from Gukesh. Uh, a lot of support behind him. His family supports him quite uh, significantly. Um, morally, his travel, his his dad is traveling with him all the time. Things of that nature, which is extremely important. And um, I think he's very mature for his age, also, or at least it feels like that from the outside. Yeah, he seems like a. In play, also. In, in, yeah, it seems, in, like seems like a good kid. Seems level-headed. Um, seems to be hardworking. Probably has a very bright future. I guess that's not saying much. <laughs> just 
look at his rating. Um, he he is a very interesting contrast to Ali Reza. Yes, in terms of style, style, yeah. Not in terms of I, like I don't know them personally too well either of them, but in terms of chess style, Gukesh is obviously very classical, and Ali Reza is very, um, very much one of those sort of gambling types. Uh-huh. So they're they're both very effective styles in the right way, but uh, but obviously quite different. Flashy, Ali Reza, a little bit. Yeah, you could you could use that word. Um, Personality wise, also they're very very opposite. I don't know their personality too well, but okay, Ali Reza is obviously, obviously an interesting personality. <laughs> uh, the fashion, the fashion, competition, thing, the fa- yes, fashion yes, competition yes. didn't work out for his team. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. In, uh, in Norway, we, that was the sweater and knitting thing that they they did. It was kind of silly, but uh, terrible. <laughs> but uh, the winners were Anish, were Anish by yeah, the judges, and then the winners by the popular vote were. Wesley and Gukesh. Yes, Wesley was very happy about that. And I'm not going to claim that there was some uh, some voting manipulation online, but you know, they they have a big country on their side. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Uh, I think we mentioned Anish, and just before we started, we were just looking at what's happening in the Dutch Championship. Um, Anish is playing for the first time in quite a few years, I think. So it's a knockout. It's a knockout, which is definitely a format that I like, and I think a lot of people like the knockout format. Um, Can you scroll down a bit? Which... Uh, yes. Ah, okay, so so the winner of... So Anish got the bye in the first round. Uh, he's playing Benjamin Bach right now. So is it the top two who get a bye? Because I see Jordan also got a bye. I believe so, So they're yes. the top two rated? Top two rated. Oh, and Ervin. That's random. Why would top three? And Ervin isn't like higher than... than I think he is. Than Max Varmadam? I think Ervin is like low 2600s, I believe. 2640, 45. Okay, but what's Max's? Like 2620? Yeah, probably something like that. Okay, it's a bit. Okay, whatever. They have their system. So, top three seems to have gotten um, a buy. Are there any surprising results so far? No. Varmerdan won. Uh, Tiviakov beat Kevlishvili. That, that could be a close one because yes. Robbie is, is a young player. He goes to St. Louis University, and Tiviakov is obviously. Used to be a top player, but uh, he doesn't play much. But yeah, isn't really as active these days. Bach, okay, Bach won. That's not surprising at all. Max won. Uh, Sipk Ernst, not yeah, he won. Although I have to say, Reinderman is is a pretty decent player. He is. And okay, Roland Reusers beat Vandendol, who I think was quite good back in the day, but I I don't know if he really plays much anymore. Yeah. So now we have. Anish versus Bach, that's definitely going to be an intriguing one. Obviously, Anish is uh, the favorite going into uh, this match. Tiviako versus Varmerdan. I have to give it to Varmerdan on this one. Uh, seems to be well prepared. Probably that's where. I'm going to take Tivi. I'm taking really? Tivi. Okay, you take Tivi. I played a lot against Tivi back in the day. I mean, he's, he's a good player. He's, he's a very good player, yeah. But he's, he's almost retired. Yeah, but okay, let's. I'll take I'll take TV on this one. You take you take TV. I take Max. Um, I think Jordan wins this match very comfortably, in my opinion. Agreed. And he's in good shape. He, uh, in fact, just won a closed event somewhere in Poland. I don't remember the exact name of. By the, the way, of the town. wasn't Sip Ernst his second in Vikingsay? I think so. He was. I think so. Not only in Vikingsay. I think uh, during the Grand Chess Tour was uh, his coach as well. Okay. Um, he did well, I think, in Croatia last year. He started off blazing hot in one of the rapid events. Yeah, I remember and that. Sipke was with him. 
Um, and Ervin should be a bit of a favorite. Yes. Against. But maybe not Pruisers. a huge favorite. Pruisers? Pruisers? Pruisers. All right. I don't know how to. Maybe our Dutch viewers can help <laughs> us out there. Yes. All right. There we go. <clears throat> so that was the Dutch Championship. Quite intriguing event to see Anish playing. Um, Anish has to win this. Otherwise, it's. Do you think it's. I think Jordan has. Like a Grand Prix shot. points uh, reason why he's playing this? But it's not going to be many. I, I don't know his reasoning, but it's not going to be many points if he wins because it's done by. This is actually correction that we were given from the last time. Mm-hmm. It's like top eight average rating is decides the importance of the event. So if we look at that event, top eight, it's not going to be super high rated. Yeah. It's a national championship, so it does count towards points. But I don't think like you win it like. Okay, you get something, but I don't think it's going to be like game changing mm-hmm. compared to like okay, the World Cup, the Grand Swiss. These are going to be much more likely. Even if you don't like, you get third in Grand Swiss. I think you, you might get same as like winning Dutch Championship things like that. Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a big one. Um, and I think you were worried about the U.S. Championship not getting enough points, but I think it will get a lot of points as well. If Hikaru plays, then it'll be very good. I don't know if Hikaru will let's play. Let's speculate. But if, even if Hikaru doesn't play, so let's see. Hikaru is going to play. You think so? I think so. Okay, so if Hikaru plays, then it's going to be... So Hikaru, me, Levon, um, Lanier are all over 20... Well, okay, Levon is maybe on the cusp of 2750 now, but all about 2750. Uh, Wesley. Uh, I Did I mention Wesley? Not so yet. Six players, yeah? Yeah. Um, and two more. No, wait, that, that, was, that was five, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah that was yes, five. Yes, top five. Yeah. And now three more. So Sam is about 27, 10 27, to 20. 20, yes. Something like that. Ray dropped a little bit. He was 26, 89 going into this uh, tournament in Czech Republic, which he won. So he's back to 2,700. And Savian. And Savian, who's 27 plus? Already? More or less, I think 20. Maybe he's a bit under 27, but he's something like that. 26, 90 plus. Three, three guys who are a little bit be- above or a little bit below 2,700. And then maybe Hans. Hans or uh, Gregorio Parin? Um, he's right now 26, 81, 82. Hans is 26, 62. So Hans is losing all his rating. Right Hans now. could be, at, by the US Championship, he could be 26, 40, or he could be 26, 90. And we just have no idea because he plays like a million games. And he could go either way. I actually looked at how many games he played. He played 68 games since April 11. That's a lot. That's Wait, a what lot. is it? It's July. That's like less than three months. Yeah. Less than three months, 68 games. That's an average He's of not playing every day, but he's almost playing every day. Close to it. He's almost playing every day. A lot of those games were in American competitions, opens, in which you play two games a day. And that's where he lost a lot of rating. In the last three weeks, I think he played uh, World Open. He is playing right now World Open. He played Philadelphia Open, in which he lost rating. He played Vegas. He played actually a couple of tournaments in Vegas. So he's been playing on U.S. soil, but he's been playing tournaments that he he's not used to. I think uh, Hans is played. discovering the danger of playing U.S. Opens when you're 2,700 or close to it. <sighs> it's, so it's a risky endeavor, and he tries, tries it out, but uh, not too surprising that it's hard to keep your rating there. Because, you know, you, so dangerous. you play a lot of, also a lot of, U.S. has a lot of underrated players. A lot of guys who don't really have very high FIDE ratings because they don't play a lot of FIDE rated games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to someone about that recently, 
and she was complaining that the uh, like the players USCF you some you sometimes get someone who's like seventeen hundred FIDE and they're like twenty one hundred USCF things like that. So you you can definitely get some underrated players who who could I don't know if that really counts for like let's say the top like okay, who Hans will be playing, but still you can definitely get some some guys who are and especially some young players. A lot of young players play these US Opens could be underrated. Uh, this World Open, I couldn't even. There's like no live games or anything. Nope, no live games. Very weird, yeah. That they don't even have any DGT boards. This is a Goichberg event. It's kind of typical, especially in recent years. At some point, they were asking everybody to bring their own. Maybe they still do. Um, everybody to bring their own chess sets, which is kind of ridiculous, especially coming from Europe as a, as a grandmaster. The first time I came to the U.S. and I, I started understanding that in these open tournaments you have to carry your own chess sets, I felt a little bit insulted, but then I realized it's just like very normal around here. Yeah. Um, you just have to bring your own stuff. Yeah, um, the rollout the roll boards. People are always carrying those little cases that look like gun cases. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Filled with uh, pieces, a roll-up board, and a chess clock. <laughs> I haven't... The last time I played a open tournament if we're not counting like the American Cup Blitz in the U.S., mm-hmm. was probably like 2006 I played the Eastern Open. And I won. I won. Mm-hmm. Which was, as a kid, that was actually a big success to win the Eastern Open. I don't even know if that tournament still goes on, but... We're just looking at uh, Hans's last few games, and we have uh, his last loss, actually. It's against um, a player from UT Dallas, in fact... Wait, can we scroll through this very quickly? Srivatshav, 2470. But just goes to show how difficult and how dangerous these tournaments are. Let's see if you can see. There we go. Yeah, sure. Let's scroll okay. through this. King's Indian. Oh. Hans trying to mix it up, of course. Yeah, the problem is at some point, after playing so many games, you kind of run... I mean, surely you run out of ideas. You just I play mean, nonsense. I mean, you can't even really play, prepare for your opponents, right? Because you sometimes get the carrying like you know, 20 minutes in advance. Yeah, you can't really prepare for your opponent. So he, you come to the board, you play some some crap. It, it might not always work out. <laughs> it looks like White was kind of well prepared. I think this is all theory. Um, looks like a bit weird. Looks I, like Hans is doing okay. Looks a bit weird what White's doing. Three queen. Like normally you'd think black is better here, right? Yes. Or like B, king of seven. Ooh. Okay. Like okay, my first instinct is you play B four here. Just go for it. Take white well, should take. Otherwise, I mean, if the knight has to retreat, then bishop B five comes and all sorts of things. So take yeah. take and maybe. You, what was he afraid of? Was he afraid of t- no? Okay. What is this? What am I doing? I can't analyze. <laughs> this is a very weird website to analyze chess on. Um, I mean, what happened? Uh, like what? I ah, king of seven happened. He was trying to get the rook to h eight. Yeah. And f4 came. Which I have to say, there's some strategic risk for black too, because d6 is weak, king... Yeah. White can castle queenside any moment, and maybe, like, get the pieces into the attack quite quickly. Yeah. He castled kingside, I see. Okay, he's trying to get knight to e5. Castle kingside? Ah, okay, knight takes g5 is a big threat. King g8. Okay, but now the weakness... This is such a weird position, I have to say, because h3 is falling, but d6 is also falling. It so feels like still, like, is black really in trouble after rook a6? That would be weird, right? h4, okay. Now I can Take believe... Bishop f2. Now I can believe things going south, because king h2, rook g1 is coming. Ah, the king just hides on h2. You yeah. actually so don't wait, have a lot of... A lot of... 
ways to stop me. Still, it's like, is this really so bad for no, black? No, it cannot be that bad. Wait, this looks winning for black. Winning for black? No, Just no, I don't believe black is winning here. Really? I mean, the knight on c3 is not... I mean, black has no active pieces whatsoever. I'm a pawn up. I have okay. two bishops. Well, yeah, but saying you have two bishops, like... <laughs> it doesn't really It's kind of funny, yeah? The bishop on g7 is like a very nice bishop. Okay, f5, bishop h6. Things get spicy. I mean, I think here this is... This is probably not... Lost. Yeah. Well, yeah, he has no checks. No, this is lost. So wait, where did it go wrong is the real question. Where was the last moment? Maybe this f5 is really not good because after bishop h6, like... Can you actually save your king? G6 is a big threat. Yeah, I don't know. So, but doesn't look good. Before f5, is it actually okay for black is the question. Because I, I really do wonder. I mean, I would take white here. But the question is, how how much? Because like, what's your move? I, I don't really see the black's move. I was thinking king, king f7. But king f7, you go queen h5. h5. You have no checks. And where does your king hide? Yeah. Okay, you can go back to g8. King e7, you go d6 probably. And... It looks like I'm getting maybe. Sorry, which move? D6, right? After oh, King E7. King E7, but also Queen H7, Queen H7 or something H7. might be crushing. Yeah, no. It doesn't look good. So I don't know. Um, but still, I feel like okay, Black does have a lot of trumps, so how bad can it really be? But who knows? Sometimes... What about Rook B8? Rook A7? And Rook B8 is the move you want to make, but after Rook A7, do you have an answer? To I'm thinking... Yeah, no. As bishop e8, queen g4 is game over, probably. Rook b7, maybe? Queen e6 wins there. Okay, rook b8, rook a7, rook b7. I'm trying ah, like to exchange. Um, I'm trying to exchange the rooks. So, does it work out tactically? Kind of works out tactically. But positionally, probably leads to a very sad position for black. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Enough analysis. Anyway, it looks like White White's a good game. player, but it was a bit of a messy game, which didn't work out for... for no, well, White is a very decent player. Um, just recently became a GM, goes to university. One of those typical university guys that I would say probably slightly underrated. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the fact that he's playing 60 plus games in three months, average of 20 plus games a month, it's absolutely ridiculous. So he's definitely, it feels at least that he's running a bit out of steam and probably getting on a slight tilt at this point. Um, lost 50 rating points in the last three months. Not good. Yeah, right. the rating points, they really... They don't come easy. At that level, they, they matter a lot because that's what decides if you get invitations or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, and this might be a byproduct of the fact that his case was dismissed. Um, the big case that he brought against chess.com Magnus, chess24, former chess24, play Magnus uh, group, Hikaru, and I believe that might be everybody, and Danny Wrench. That case got dismissed. I don't remember exactly the details, why it got dismissed. Were you following that? No. I mean, once it, the legal stuff started, it suddenly became not particularly interesting, and I, I wasn't surprised that it got dismissed. Um, it didn't seem like there was a, such a huge case. And we, we talked to some people back back last year, but uh, it never really felt like there were some... And it didn't seem like they were particularly worried, right? Like I don't know about Magnus, but Hikaru, Chess.com, it didn't seem like they were super, super concerned. And Chess.com basically said that it was kind of a frivolous case. I don't know if that was a, if it was. I mean, obviously, it did go on quite a long time. Maybe there was some merit to it. Maybe... 
I mean, maybe there was some like jurisdiction jurisdiction issues that. I think that's why it got dismissed, based on jurisdiction. But again, I'm just bullshitting at this yeah, point. Yeah, I don't we, actually remember. We don't really know much about the legal stuff, but. And I have uh, to say, I haven't been following that uh, closely. The not necessarily the chess world, but I, I played chess myself, and whenever that happens. You know how it is in general. You kind of focus on only on your stuff, and you played a little bit also. You played the no castling chess in in Dortmund. Um, big big Vlad was there also. Kramnik, uh, yeah. Elianov, Kolars. Yeah, interesting tournament. Double round robin. We are not allowed to castle. Classical time control. Uh, I, I really struggled to to care about the moves I was making. <laughs> like I don't want to. You know, it was fun. It was a fun tournament. I actually think it's a good format. You won the tournament, so yeah, yeah. No, I I ended up winning with uh, some luck, but like for rapid and blitz, I think it's suited. Um, for classical chess, the thing is that because there wasn't like nothing really riding on it, I don't really even think there was prizes. Everyone was playing a bit loose, so we had some like huge fights, and everyone was kind of going a bit nuts. Uh, mostly, mostly me. I was like playing. I played B4 first game, first move uh, in one game, and then okay. I quickly followed it up with G4. I was analyzing a bit of like what you can do. How did you analyze, by the way? It's it's kind of easy to analyze if you just move the rooks at the start and then reset the. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So that's how you do it. That makes sense. And wait, how do you do it? Well, you move. I have three rook G1 and so on. And ah, you reset. Okay. 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 So. What I've, I mean, I don't think anyone's really interested in this, but uh, what I kind of, the conclusions I came to were that uh, after e4, the Sicilian is very good, and there's a variety of Sicilians that are quite good for black, but it's always complicated. White can definitely play those positions. It's like, it, it's not like black equalizes cleanly. You just get a very, very tense position. After e4, the French kind of sucks, the Caracon sucks, and if you're really feeling a bit frisky, you can play some kind of Pyrrhic stuff, which I, I did one game. I didn't actually care about like if I'm worse out of the opening. And after e4, e5, nobody wants to play. But the Petrov is good, and so after e4, e5, white probably should play knight c3. And try to get actually some kind of uh, Vienna stuff, like f4 very often is, is very testing for black. And so after e4, everyone wants to play Sicilian. And nobody wants to play e4 except for me. Nobody wanted to, and the most popular move is c4, the English. Because the reverse Sicilian is very interesting for white. And uh, the point is kind of that the Carlsbad is dangerous for black and the Nimzo is dangerous for black. So c4, if knight f6, you play d4 and you try to get a Nimzo with queen c2. That was everyone's idea. And so everyone was playing kind of some kind of symmetrical stuff. And at some point I was like, fuck it, I'll play the orangutan. <laughs> because uh, I figured out that b4 is not a stupid move. I, like, it's better than in normal chess. I don't know why, but it's a bit more testing than normal chess. Well, once the bishop lands on b2 he cannot castle and defend the pawn on g7 i, I would assume i don't know well the surprising thing is that some pressure b4, very often you don't follow with bishop b2 really and the weird reason is that after b4 like let's say black plays e6 you don't play bishop b2 but you play a3 and the reason why is after black plays b6 c4 c5 trying to get some symmetrical stuff the bishop goes out on the other side most importantly you need rook b1 so you like take take knight c3 and then you try to get g3 bishop g2 and you need to have rook b1. It's like kind of concrete to, to harass the bishop on b7. So if you play bishop b2, black just plays b6, c5, and basically equalizes on the spot. And I quickly got a terrible position with white. 
uh, like borderline losing uh, at some point. And uh, the final position was losing, and then my opponent repeated. Was this against uh, Elianov? Against Kolars. Kolars. Elianov was beating me twice, but I scored one and a half. <laughs> so I was like losing more or less all my games, but I managed to score plus two. Okay, okay. So it was, it was an all prep, is what you're saying. It was, it was definitely all prep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you did prep. It was all prep, but unfortunately the prep wasn't working that well. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, good job. Well Thanks. done. Nice, nice victory in, in Dortmund. Um, I also talked to Kramnik a lot, like quite a lot there. Okay. Maybe like two hours or so we were chatting, or, or maybe more, maybe like three. Every day? Or, or not every total. day. No, like total, like three, three hours or so we were chatting. Were you guys like having dinners together? Or no, 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 no. Or? We, we were just kind of talking. And yeah, a lot of subjects. You know, I, I hadn't seen Kramnik in quite a long time because he retired from chess in 2019. So we discussed the state of the chess world and so on, and a lot of his uh, views on on other stuff. I don't know, maybe we'll have him on a guest on some point. We, can we should. Get we, his should. Thoughts. we should. Because he, he has a lot of thoughts um, about the chess world, and it'll be interesting to hear. He's out of the chess world uh, competitively. He's not out. But oh, competitively, yes. Competitively, yes. but he's definitely staying engaged. He's playing online a lot, I've seen. Yeah, uh, he, he said at some point that he's retiring from online chess, but he came back. I think he more or less retired after he got flagged by um, who was against the German kid, Heimer. Heimer, yes, Heimer viciously flagged him in a losing position. <laughs> well, we know that he still stays in the chess world because he was on Jan's sort of team. I don't know exactly how prominent his role was, but. But he was working with Jan in some capacity before the match. And then he gave an interview about the match and, and so on to he goes to Chess Base India, right? Yes, Cigar. Yeah. So, so he's definitely stayed in the chess world quite a lot, uh, but not playing too much. He plays this no castling stuff, and he plays a lot of online stuff. He plays like the Champions Tour, he plays Title Tuesday, and he recently spoke at length about cheating in Title Tuesday. Obviously, a lot of his. Uh, Concerns about cheating, uh, he, he laid out there in that video. It was like a sort of a podcast version where he was uh, talking to Levitov and uh, they talked about cheating. Yeah, yeah. I actually did not uh, check that one. It was in Russian. It had subtitles. You did. I remember we were discussing it in Norway. Uh, but yeah, I would love to have him on the podcast. Um, it's whenever we have this type of big name guests, I also feel like they deserve to be in person rather than online. That's why I'm just reluctant to do it. But at some point, I think, I, I don't know when we're going to be next to Vlad in the same room no. next time. So oh, it's, it's not happening anytime soon. So we're probably going to have to, to, to send an invite to do it online. Yeah, I will, of course, I would love to, to have Big Vlad, a legend of the game uh, on the pod. So Dortmund, successful trip. There was um, an open tournament in Dortmund as well. A few of my students played there. And then uh, Orias del Mar. A lot of open tournaments, actually, I'm, uh, I'm feeling are happening right now. At some point, I was worried that open tournaments are just dying a slow death. But it seems like they're coming back. Maybe the initiative by FIDE to support open tournaments uh, with some funds, maybe, perhaps it's working. Um, but definitely, it seems like Every single month, every single week, there are some, some new tournaments happening. Circuit going on in Spain. Uh, the Chinese delegation that 
I discussed we discussed that at the beginning of the pod. I think we'll continue their their road through Spain, playing Benasque, which is happening in the next few days. I think it starts tomorrow. And uh, yeah, uh, a lot of intriguing stuff happening in the chess world. Global Chess League. That's another subject we haven't discussed yet. And uh, I have to say, I did not follow that much. I was mostly following. I tried to find a stream. There was no stream. Um, I oh, think there they, was. They put it on YouTube at some yeah, point. Yeah, there was. Uh, but uh, they were doing their own thing. It wasn't covered by chess.com and so on. Maybe, I think Chess Based India maybe was covering it. But yes, yes. But um, yeah, they had their own thing. The Tech Mahindra Group, that's, that was a sponsor of the yes. whole event. And it was very strong, obviously. I think they were throwing money at a lot of players. Mm. Like some players weren't getting paid much. <laughs> some players were getting paid a lot. <laughs> yeah, there was this bidding process for certain players. Uh, I'm not sure who got uh, to be bidded on. I know Magnus uh, had a bid. Uh, Vichy probably had a bid. You were mentioning at some point Duda had a bid as well. Yeah, Magnus definitely got paid by far the most. Um, like the system was that you t- you get a contract with them and they give you a base fee, which I won't say the number, but I, I was invited as well. Um, and so they, they offered me that base fee. And then the teams bid on you. Mm. And I don't know what the bidding process is because I, I, I didn't sign the contract, so I wasn't part of that. But some players got bid on quite a lot, specifically Magnus and uh, I, I would guess Vichy also. And I heard Duda got a decent bid from a team. I, I'm... I'm not sure why, compared to some other players, he got a bit, but okay, I guess it depends very much on the team. And so, yeah, for like Magnus, it was definitely a big payday. Uh, the winning team was... Uh, Triveni. Yeah, it was spearheaded by Lavon. Lavon, yes. Uh, he was, I guess, the first board, but it was quite a strong team. Uh, I mean, not just Lavon, it was, it was a very strong team in general. Let's see if we can get like the list of players there. So, Triveni Continental Kings uh, won. Um, dramatic finish in the Armageddon. It was uh, Johan Bier who uh, defeated Sindarov through did a you see, one move did checkmate. You, yeah, did you see what happened? The guy just blunders checkmate in one move. Yep, yep. That's kind of amazing. Yep, yep. Checkmate in one move in a completely uh, equal position. Rook Bishop versus uh, Rook Knight and uh, a couple of pawns each or one pawn each. Was it Armageddon? Like, what was the reason why he... Because what does sudden death mean? I see sudden death. Does that sudden death, I think, is basically whoever wins the next game. So if it's a draw, they play another one. They they, they, they go to the next player, yes. There were some drawing so who, of lots, Who was basically. the next... Oh, these were the, these were the bottom two boards, so it would I go... I think so. Sindarov is a stronger player than uh, Jonas Beer. Well, Sindarov actually defeated Jonas Beer at least four times in that match. It was a, wait, so what they, kind? They, they, they had some matches. I don't remember exactly the, uh, the, the format, but basically they, they played four times before this last game and he defeated Jonas all of those times. But in the Armageddon, the match and, and the game that mattered the most, uh, Johan Bjerg won mm. with, with, <laughs> with the checkmate. But he was down a pawn. Yes. And it was, okay, it was a draw. Yes. And then at some point... Bier like attacks, attacks checkmate, uh, threatens checkmate, and attacks a bishop at the same time. Yeah, and then 
like white has to capture black's remaining pawn and we get rook knight against rook two pawns uh-huh instead he just moved his bishop like oh you attack my bishop i'll move it and then uh-huh so look they had finals finals match round one three veni kings versus upgrad mumba masters nine seven so i would assume Sindarov won in this one. Sindarov won in the finals match round two. Sindarov won in the blitz tie breaks, but lost in uh, in sudden death. And I think this they, is the weirdest system ever. They won twelve to three one match. Yes. And okay, so they so had one, two one. matches, one yeah. one, and then they went into the blitz tie breaks. But what's what, why is it one one now? I'm not sure. Had there there was two two games they played, blitz tie breaks, but that doesn't blitz show. tie breaks. Okay, with momentum. Sitting firmly, blah blah blah. Oh, it was one one because of the first two matches. It was, the score was yes. one one. Yes. Uh, I see. And one match is like, wait, uh, it's twelve three because you get like four points for a win. Yes, with black. So uh-huh. you get four points for a win with black, three points for a win with white, one one for a draw. That's basically the. the this is like system. arguably the dumbest. <laughs> no, no, I no. A lot of people liked it. A lot no, no, of I, really no, like I'm, I'm saying like the win with black, you get more points is yes. really, really dumb. You think so? Yeah, that's such a terrible... I kind of like it. Why? I mean, look, it's much more difficult to win with black. Can we agree on that? No. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> white has the advantage. At the beginning of the game, white has... Not, not really in advantage. modern chess too much. I mean... It's more difficult to win with black. Wouldn't you say so? I, I actually don't know if the statistics in modern chess these days will bear it out. They must. In like modern top level chess, I really am not sure the statistics will bear it out. Hmm. But I'm, I'm ready to be proven wrong. But uh, it's still, even if it, it just doesn't make sense to me, because like it, in Rapid and Blitz, it just becomes a bit random. Like in Blitz, I would say, okay, white, black, like who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, in Rapid, okay, we can argue about the importance of having white, but in Blitz, uh, okay. With a 5-14 to 14 score in favor of the upgrade masters, it started to look like the kings would struggle to put up a fight in the second blitz tiebreak. Okay. Oh, he blundered bishop a4? I see there's like this game. He blundered c4, he plays and he blunders bishop a4. Yes. Actually, I, I do know this line a little bit, yeah. It's, that wins the bishop on... Uh, I guess you can make another move, like you can play a4 or something. Yes. Let's see. Or take on e4, yeah. I hit two. Wait. Ah, and I did two. Oh, it's just like this. Oh, I thought it was like c4, bishop to a4s. But then maybe... I guess queen e2. Yeah, yeah, queen e2 is yeah. a safe square. Ah, okay, okay. So he, ah, so it's a simple take-take in take, knight take e2. and lose a pawn. Yeah, yeah. Or the exchange. Yeah. Um, and the second blitz match was dominated again by the team playing with the black pieces. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Levon lost against MVL, but... I mean, look at all these decisive games with black. Ooh. Zero four zero four zero yeah, four. Yeah, winning with black is not. I mean, in, in blitz, it's like a normal thing. You win with black, you win with white. Yeah. So they equalized in blitz, and then they went into a sudden death. Sudden death being. All right. Attention. The first players. Uh huh. So at this point, you basically. Just pick one player from each team, and they play against uh, the other. The well, other I guess they the they go by yeah, yeah they go by the lowest first, and then the second lowest, and so on until it culminates. In no, no, no! It's a draw. It's a draw of, of lots. Oh, okay. So I think at so some point random. they had some sort of uh, like uh, card, uh, not not cards, playing cards. Actually, they were drawing playing cards. 
and whoever whatever number it was on the card it was uh correlated with the board number mm -hmm. okay so they picked sarah against uh humpy and humpy was completely winning i remember this at some point um it doesn't show the game here which is a bit surprising but at some point he could have she could have won the queen in one move and, finish the okay. match. <laughs> and then uh, it went to and then i guess they went Lachno and Koneru. All right. Now and then running finally pairings. Bier, who had been defeated in all four games against Indarov on Sunday, had been drawn to play black against the Uzbek superstar. Ta -ta -ta. And then, yes, the big, big moment. Actually, I think we can see it somewhere around here. Oh, fuck. Uh, it's a long game. I mean, white was better the whole game. Yes. Sindarov, Sindarov is with white. But okay, kind of a complicated But he, he was game, pressing yeah. a lot. Like, this end game was so unpleasant. But black was kind of defending well and escaping. Uh-huh. Yeah. And at this moment, yeah, it's... I mean, he's down a pawn, but it's going to be a draw. It's very difficult to lose this one with, with white. But he managed. Well, he put his king on a3. That was the first sign. King b6. And now okay. knight b4, right? So he attacks the knight bishop and threatens checkmate. Take the pawn on a5, make a draw. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, also probably make a draw with rook c5, but you will have to take it after king d6. Rook c5, king b6. Six, rook b5. Ah, and bishop b7. Well, king yeah, a6 yeah. actually loses, loses the game, bishop yeah. b7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he played bishop. <laughs> he probably was thinking... I'm stopping my C2. That is really rough. Did he actually think he was like maybe winning? He was thinking, oh, I'm finally getting this pawn. I think so. But there's like rook. Rook. I mean, uh, rook yeah. D4 there's also mate, so that's better. Better than trying to <laughs> hold the position with rook E2 or something. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, no. Um, congratulations to uh, Triveni. Congratulations to Levon and uh, his team for winning the uh, first edition. Of an exciting tournament, I have to say. I'm looking forward to actually having time to, 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 to follow it. Because from the outside and from social media, it definitely seemed like a lot of fun. Everybody seems to, uh, seems to be having a lot of fun in Dubai. So that was it. First edition, they got 500k, the winning team. Which goes to uh, the, uh, not the captains, but the uh, owners of uh, those teams. And I kind of like this idea of like, building franchises in chess we 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 didn't have that like nba style you get into a playoff you have owners you have you know things of that nature i, I kind of like idea. the idea but I, I think that they need to do it better i mean the broadcast i watched a bit and it really really wasn't like i mean the commentators are good commentators but they the way they had it was just so disorganized and everyone was speaking over other people and you could barely like make out what they were saying <laughs> Everyone was speaking at the same time. Like you had four commentators and there was no, like with the chess.com commentary, I can say that they, they, you have someone, a producer in your ear. So I say, they man manage that people aren't talking over one another. They keep you in a leash. With this, it was just like, they're like, okay, go commentate. And then when you have four people and you tell you don't have any producer or direction, then you just have everyone talking at the same time. So it was... I mean, individually, everyone's a good commentator. It was Swedler, it was Tanya, it was Canty. Um, 
Jesse, February. Jesse and Caddy? Caddy Tsatsashvili. So, well, I, I don't think it was five at the same time. They, they kept calling Speedler Master Speedler, which I thought was <laughs> pretty funny. Master, but I'm not sure if it was meant to be funny. Master Speedler. Now I we'll, like it. Now we'll bring it to Master Speedler, who will give us his thoughts on the game. <laughs> and yeah, it, it definitely had... Uh, um, and this is the Global Chess League, but it's organized very much by Indian tycoons, more or less, pretty much. Um, and it, it's ran by Chessbase India. The commentary, um, Sagar was there, um, I believe. Smile Reina, who is a comedian, who became quite prominent during COVID years in terms of chess commentary, and um, the other commentators that you mentioned. And it's kind of ran in this Indian style. Uh, uh, Zwidler is very high regarded in India. No, of course, Sir, of course, you know, uh, of course, he, he should be high regarded. Master uh, Just master sounds a bit, a bit funny to me. But I, <laughs> I mean, Zwidler. I actually thought it was. I, I kind of like that that little touch. But yeah, they they with the amount of money they put into it, they just need a better production. You know, yeah. Like you throw millions of dollars at a chess tournament, that's great. I think you know, putting a lot of serious money into the game giving it to a variety of people, not just top chess players, but a lot of people were playing. But then you should have a proper production. It, it shouldn't be a mess to watch, which it was fun to watch, but it was also a mess. It's like it, it should really look professional. But initially it wasn't, we weren't even able to watch it. Yeah, that's um, another issue, of course. They didn't want to put it on YouTube initially, and it was almost impossible to watch it via their um, Indian broadcasting website. I think it was called Geoma or something like that. And I actually tried it through VPN. You cannot watch it outside of India without the VPN. But the problem is that only certain VPNs actually allow you to connect to India. Like the one that I'm using, NordVPN, and this is not an ad. We did an ad for NordVPN at some point. This, this isn't an ad. <laughs> this is not an ad. But uh, NordVPN cannot connect to India, which kind of sucks. It's actually an anti-ad. It's an anti-ad. Your NordVPN, you got to get your shit together and connect to India. <laughs> they're going to blacklist us. <laughs> instead of doing ads, we're doing anti-ads. We're never getting an ad from NordVPN again. All right. Um, I was going to... Wait, I, was, I had a thought. I think that it's... India has a big audience. It's good to cater to that audience, but they should also cater to an, an international audience. And, uh, and yeah, international audience will be watching on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, so... That's where you, you want to put it. And then you get some, some big... Like, with the names they had, they're going to get viewership, no matter what. I mean, not just Indian viewership. They'll get global viewership because they have Magnus. They have uh, players who... Top players who are representing other countries, Duda and Levon and... All of them. Wei and... Uh, and they had the Uzbek Vichy. prodigies and uh, Abdusatarov and Sundarov. And they had the Indian prodigies and they had Vishi. So, of course, everyone from India is going to watch. All the time plays chess. Yeah, it's they got all the names, uh, but they really could do it better next time. So hopefully they do. I, I assume that this is not just a one-year thing. From what I've heard, they actually will be doing it again next year, but I don't know if that's 100%. Uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, no, season one, um, successful in some regards. Definitely a lot of things to work on, but a good start, I have to say, for the Global Chess League. I like the initiative. I think it's a good idea to bring franchises into the chess world and bring more of a um, spectacle. Um, so definitely felt that way. I, I really liked in the background, the players from each team were kind of supporting and, 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 and watching. The jerseys were a nice touch, um, very eSports-like jerseys. I, I really like that. So definitely- uh, Did you see these tweets? 
Which ones? The tweets that the, at some point during the event, all the players started tweeting, and it was very ChatGPT. <laughs> it was very funny. It was. It all, was probably in the contract. Yeah, but they started doing it during like near the end of the event. Suddenly, all at the same exact time, all the players would put out the tweet, the same, more or less the same tweet, uh, which was it was pretty funny. You got to get the word out. Yes. No, I like it. I like it. Uh, put it in the contract because. A lot of these top players are lazy when it comes to social media. I'm looking at you. Are you lazy? You know, I'll, I'll put a tweet out, especially if it's a chat GPT generated. Yes. I'm, I want all my thoughts to come in uh, completely devoid of any effort. <laughs> AI generated um, content. I assume that this is like, the, this is going to be a serious problem for universities, right? Huge. That uh, not only for universities. That people are just going to be taking the, the quickest shortcut to, well, yeah, maybe not just for universities, but especially to like writing their papers. <laughs> well, think about it this way. People are getting degrees, uh, paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for degrees in scripted writing. Good luck competing in script writing with ChatGPT and with the next iterations of ChatGPT, which are going to be more and more um, relatable. Do you think all our movies are going to come from AI yes. generated? Not not only the scripts, but the actual movie. Have you seen? I don't remember. There's a lot of AI tools that are springing pretty much every single week, but some of them can. You literally give them a script, and they give you a video out of that. Don't we have They're terrible like that? so far. Huh? Don't we have something like that? Do we have something like that? I mean, we we saw we just saw something like that. The uh, the cigar lounge. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's a good place to finish it. All right. <laughs> Are we allowed to, uh, to share this? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. I mean, this thing has like two views. Of course. We'll, 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 we'll give this guy some more views. Check this one out. All right. Hikaru and the boys at the Cigar Lounge. I like how Hikaru gets his own name, but the boys... You're part of the Including boys. Magnus. Sorry. Magnus, Magnus and everyone else. It's like, in the chess world, it's Hikaru... And then everyone else. The and boys. the boys. Hikaru and the boys. All right, let's see if we can max this thing out. Boom. All right, guys, let's go to the cigar lounge and have some fun. That sounds intriguing. I've never been to one before. Count me in. Cigars and chess. I like the sound of that. Let's go. I'm up for trying something new. <laughs> oh, uh, so the aroma of fine cigars this place feels like a haven for relaxation it's quite the atmosphere i'm curious to see what the cigar experience is all about let's find a comfortable spot and enjoy the cigars while discussing who's the best at chess no let's just discuss who gets more video views instead did i hear someone talking about video views oh guys for fuck's sake the purpose of a cigar is to relax so stop arguing all the time <laughs> this is actually quite funny um it's crazy right that this is ai generated the voices are ai generated i feel like your voice is the is the furthest from from your actual voice i think hikaru's is the furthest maybe yes. i think that magnus is pretty close super close magnus isn't it's close to his voice and hikaru just doesn't sound anything like him that's true stop arguing all the time you know guys i heard that smoking cigars can actually improve your chess game yeah, because nothing says strategic thinking like lung cancer. Now the question is, how do we properly light a cigar? Just make sure not to drop it on the chessboard or you will set it on fire. I don't need a cigar to set it on fire. Very confident, Hikaru, very confident. I think it's all about patience and the right technique. Let's ask the expert. Good evening, gentlemen. How can I assist you? Can you teach me how to light a cigar? Of course. 
First, you gently start rubbing the head of the cigar, and then very slowly you put it in your mouth, and start rubbing it in your mouth very slowly. You don't want it to explode too fast, and as you keep rubbing it in your mouth, it will ignite, and then you start to enjoy it. Fascinating, sir. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. This is quite enjoyable. The flavors are intriguing and complex. And then what's next, sir? Then you wait for lung cancer, sir. Okay. <laughs> that was it. Very nice. Um, funny, uh, I would assume chess memes with two subscribers are probably... I think it started out better. Uh, the ending... Yeah, it was, it was good. Slow down a little bit. The ending was... Um... All right. Let's get this guy chess memes to at least 10 subscribers. <laughs> at least 10 subscribers. I think that's a good goal. Great place to finish it. That's it. Zagreb Grand Chess Tour starts soon. Fabi, you're playing. I will be doing the commentary alongside Anastasia Karlovic here in Zagreb. And I believe in the studio in St. Louis, we have the new spokesperson of the St. Louis Chess Club. Yasser Nazi Paikidze. And I believe it's Evgeny Miroshnichenko at the board. So that's going to be an interesting commentary team. Looking forward to it. Rabbit and Bliss Chess coming up. Magnus playing. You're playing. Ali Reza is playing. Ali Reza is playing, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's I think we, we, we talked about Bukash. I don't think we did. Yeah, we talked about this. Did we? Okay. Yeah. Okay. A lot of players. And Duda and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be a lot of fun. Tune in. Don't forget. St. Louis Chess Club on YouTube. You will find it pretty much everywhere on Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram. All of those places. Make sure you tune in and make sure you uh, yeah, leave your comments in the comments section. Like, subscribe, and uh, yeah, don't forget to support boys. Until next time, guys. Cheers. <laughs>